Welcome to Business as a Magical Practice, where your business is the vehicle for your self-integration and soul evolution. My name is Sam Garcia, and I'm the founder of Dirty Alchemy Digital Marketing. I'll be guiding you through how you can use your business as a spiritual practice and what magical businesses are doing to hit their goals and change the world. Together, we'll be relating the mystical to the world of business so that our work can unite spirit and matter, shadow and light, conscious and unconscious. Let's dive in. Hello, magical people, and welcome back to Business as a Magical Practice. Today, I have a very special episode for you. And if you're new here, every 11 episode, I host special episodes that are more candid, where I answer listener questions and share a behind the scenes look at my life and business. And technically, (laughs) this is not really episode 99, which would have been our next 11th episode. Because last week I did a five-day event called the Magical Business Initiation. Maybe you saw it, maybe you listened to it, where I walked you through how to increase your prices, attract the right clients, and market in a way that feels good. So that was all last week. And if you haven't listened yet, you can still tune into that. That's just from last week. You'll see those episodes. And... I also just wrapped up a launch of my brand new program, Monetize Your Magic, which was so fun. (laughs) We're welcoming in a cohort of incredible magical business owners into this container where they are going to learn the same process that created financial freedom in my business and in my life and for my family. And this is what allowed me to finally make enough money in my business to have plenty left over to spend on vacations, my dream home, premium mentorship, and going out to fancy dinners to celebrate all that success. So needless to say, I know this is going to be a huge, huge, huge thing for the woman in this container. And I can really wait to see the results and share them with you that they are going to create. Anyways, we've had a lot of juiciness unfolding in Dirty at Dirty Alchemy and an influx of new energy in the past few weeks. So even with all that going on, <laughs> I love these special episodes too much to skip one. So here we are. This is the makeup for episode 99. <laughs> I think it's like episode 104 now. And so let's just get right into it with a couple of my favorite things right now. So there's two things that I wanted to share that came to mind with some favorite new things or relevant things that I am loving right now. And the first one is a book or a concept called the 5am club. And it is a shit book. It is a very poorly written book. I'm not going to lie. It kind of, if you've ever read, read the Celestine prophecy, I love that book. I read that at the beginning of my spiritual journey when I was like 19. And it kind of reminds me of that in terms of how it's written and how that you like all little teachings are within it, except the author who is apparently a very, very well-known, larger self-help productivity person wrote this book and I cannot condone the quality of the novel that is written. However, I really like the concept of it. I I listened to this book. We'll link to it in um, the show notes and it goes into, I mean, I'm just going to like really one of the main concepts within it is the importance of waking up before the sun rises, waking up at 5am and moving reflecting and learning before anyone else is up. And I like, if you're someone who is not an early riser, don't 
don't skip forward or hate me or think that you have to be uh, an early bird in order to be successful because that is 100% not true. However, for me, I was a the kid who the super Virgo kid who had a very hardcore bedtime for myself. Like I was in bed and lights out by 10 PM. I enforced it for myself. And I was the first one awake in the household. I had my alarm set for 6 AM as a child. (laughs) So, and I, I honestly don't remember how it started, how it formed, what created it, but I was the first one up in the household getting up with my alarm and I would get to shower with no one else awake in the house. I ate breakfast, did a crossword puzzle, like read the little random things that were on the uh, kitchen table before anyone else is up. And I, I grew up in a household where just no one talked in the morning. It, it was a, like a hustle bustle thing. Every, like everyone was on their own, do your own breakfast, do whatever. And I miss it. I miss it so much because (laughs) my husband is very extroverted and external processing person. And I have two little dogs who obviously need to get walked in the morning. And I love, I love my family to death. However, I've been craving this quiet time in the morning that I haven't been getting because I haven't been getting up that early. So when I recognized the process and started actually implementing it, then I've been able to keep some habits that I've been having a hard time keeping specifically exercising, like having a hard time keeping up with exercise and learning things that I want to be learning, not just like new marketing techniques (laughs) and also like making sure that my journaling and mindset practices are just built into my day. So I have been really loving it. If you're someone who want craves some quiet time in the morning and you're not getting it, check out the book or at least start thinking about, I, I think there's another book on morning rituals that is kind of the same idea of like get up at 5 a.m. and go through these different areas, do these different things before you actually start the day and start giving to other people. And I really love it. I mean, basically it's like, okay, 5 a.m. And then you do 20 minutes of exercise, 20 minutes of reflection, which could be journaling. It could be meditation. It could be prayer. It could be whatever and, or planning and then 20 minutes of learning. So listening to a podcast or reading a book or uh, going through an online course that you're in. And I've been really, really enjoying it. It's definitely made me more excited about, just life in general, because I'm, I'm really filling myself up first versus like, okay, getting up and having to immediately get harnesses on these hyperactive dogs. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I walk them to the beach. It's lovely. However, doing that first before actually just connecting with myself has been, I didn't realize how much it was affecting me. So if any, if that like speaks to anyone else, check out, at least like check out a synopsis of the 5am club. I, uh, I, again, the novel, the book, the actual book, which is supposed to be kind of a novel type thing, questionable, but it, it was an enjoyable read. <laughs> okay. Anyways, on to the second thing, which is a little silly thing, which is glow LED, uh, umbrella plant glow light. I'm, I'm just reading the title of it and we're going to link to it, uh, in the show notes. And these are these little cute little they almost look like little umbrellas and they're like eh, maybe four inches in 
diameter and you just stick them into indoor plants and they're these LED grow lights. And what was happening to me, even though I have a farmer husband who would like pays attention to my plants and waters them and stuff <laughs> when they're supposed to be watered so they don't die, they were still, and I live in Hawaii, which is like very, lots of sun all year round with my indoor plants, like the ones that I have in my office, they were still looking sad and just not happy within my office with those competitive advantages that I have. And I realized we were having to like cycle in and out plants, like taking the ones in my office every week or so outside so they can get some light and then bringing other ones in. And the fix, the very, very simple fix are these little cute little LED grow lights. They don't look like the really shitty LED lights that usually hang over normal glow, grow lights that you would like hang over plants. They're, they're, they're cute. And I've been shocked. I should not be shocked, but I've been shocked at how happy the plants are and how like flourishing and juicy and they just look so vibrant and full of life just by adding these little lights. So I know that I've seen on Instagram and I've heard from a few of you that keeping indoor plants is a hard one for you. And I get it. So this is, if, if you're one of those people, highly recommend it. You, there's even like a little timer uh, on them so that you could just click the timer and they'll be on for eight hours a day and then off for the rest of the day. So you don't even have to think about it. So highly recommend. Link is in the show notes for those. And you know what comes next? You've been sending me questions uh, via email and on Instagram over the past few weeks, and I'm going to be diving into them now. And I've been having so much fun making magical marketing and business related reels over on Instagram. And ever since I started posting these reels, it's opened up a floodgate of people asking real related questions in terms of Instagram reels. The biggest question hands down is, is the hype about reels true? Do I need to be doing this to grow my audience or help my business? And as I said, I've been having so much fun with them. <laughs> I was so resistant to creating reels for a year and really bashing them. And then I was like, a few weeks ago, I just decided to do, I, I asked her friend how she does reels because she's been doing these really funny ones. And she just kind of walked me through the really simple process of creating a reel. And I was like, oh, this is actually so easy. And uh, they've just been so fun with the voiceover uh, side of it. You can really like turn on your actor, actress charm. And with that said, one of, one of the reels I posted that, I mean, super simple, bad lighting, like ugly background reel that I created, got 10,000 views in the first hour that it was posted. And that is a fucking amazing reach. That is is so much more than anything else you post. So if you um, haven't done any reels and you are thinking about doing them, know that your reach will absolutely expand if you do them. And I do have a friend who got a one high-end one-on-one client just because of her reels. She's been posting reels consistently every week. They're really funny and fun. And she herself, just to give a a push for on the positive side that you can actually get clients from them. That being said, uh, another influencer I know has been doing them for over a year and does them very well. And she says it hasn't impacted her sales at all. 
And actually all of her, she's decide after putting all of this time and energy into Instagram, she's deciding to go off of Instagram and do email instead and just focus on email marketing. Cause she, when she was digging into her numbers, like all of her sales came from email, which I know everyone again and again says email is dead, reels, TikTok, blah, 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 blah. And so I look at that and it is where I've been doing reels for a couple months and just for fun, because why not? This person has been investing time and energy into them for the last year and has a massive following on Instagram and is now deciding to pull away so that she can um, focus on what actually brings in money in her business, which is email marketing. And I have also seen this. So during the Monetize Your Magic launch, I just did 80% of my sales came from my email list. And I have a fucking tiny email list. While I have 7,000 followers on Instagram, like 650 people on my email list, and 80% of my sales came from my email list. So this is just things that I'm thinking about right now. I honestly don't have the golden answer of whether you should be investing time and energy into reels or not. I can tell you what I'm personally doing. So I, I know for 2022, we're, we as a team are pulling energy out of Instagram and putting them into more long game strategies like search engine optimization and content marketing. So like creating YouTube videos and this podcast and building the email list. So those are some decisions I'm making because of my personal energy and the fact that I want to be in more of a, more of a deep work environment of creating really high level things. And then, yes, of course, we'll share it on Instagram, but instead of making things on Instagram and sharing them other places, making things other places and someone else on my team will share them on Instagram. Just because it is a, if you're on, if you're on Instagram or social media, you know how much of a time sucking it can be and an energy drain it can be. And you look at the psychology behind social media and it, it's upsetting for sure of how it impacts your mental health and your ability to actually concentrate, your ability to actually get into a flow state. So that's what, that's my plan for this year. I know that's kind of a, not a direct answer to the real question. I'm probably still going to do reels because they're fun to create. And it's kind of a, a fun thing to participate in this online world. But in terms of thinking it as my strategy for success, I don't I believe that for one second. And however, I also believe that if you want to make money using reels, if you want reels to be a huge channel for your business, go for it, go for it. You can find success in whatever channel really, really resonates with you and your soul. But for myself and the level, the, the kind of content and the kind of concepts and the kind of intellectual property I want to be making, I'm personally going to be moving away and instead investing in things that are more long game that can actually build up power over time. Like with YouTube where you can, you can post a video and it's relevant for years because it's a search engine versus social media. You make something in a week later, it's already obsolete for a lot of people. So kind of a rambly non-answer, but 
those are my thoughts. <laughs> so here is another question I received recently that I know will be so helpful for every online business owner out there, including you. And that was someone sent in, my biggest fear happened. I failed a launch. Only three people signed up out of my goal of 15. What should I do? And I, like, this is very common. This is totally normal. And first things first is there's no, truly no such thing as the failed launch unless you refuse to learn lessons from it. Okay. Just because you didn't hit your goal doesn't mean it's a failed launch. So one of those reasons are, is that, and I'm going to get into how to make it so that you can never fail launch in terms of you get whatever lessons you need to learn in a second. But I wanted to say first, this is why I recommend selling high-end one-on-one before launching. So many people want to launch right off the bat because they think they will be able to scale their business so much faster. And they think that they'll be able to make so much more money faster. And they think that, oh, this will be easier to sell because it's lower priced, but it's not true. (laughs) When you're starting out in business or you're trying to grow your business and you don't have that much of an audience, it is so much easier to invest your time and energy into selling one-on-one services or offers to people that are more high-end because you just need a lower volume because it is just as hard or you need to invest just as much energy to sell something expensive as you do to sell something cheap or cheaper. So you might as well in the beginning learn how to sell one thing that's more expensive and take those lessons into your future launch. So if you launch because you quote unquote need the money, then you bring a lot of energy of desperation or you're more likely to bring in the energy of desperation into your launch. Instead, if you have money flowing in from passive income from your business or payment plans from other programs you've put out or from one-on-one clients, you can launch and it, is instead this act of overflow and you don't have to put pressure on a completely new product. You can often think about new programs as a completely new business. So a lot of people just want to keep putting out new, new programs, new offers one after the other, even when they haven't optimized the delivery or selling or marketing of one. And if you can think of each new program as its own business, hopefully that will slow you down from doing that because you'll get so, you'll be able to grow so much more quickly if you really intentionally focus all your time on and energy into selling one thing and getting good at selling it before you move on to the next thing. And then once you are onto the next thing, there isn't this pressure to, from the get-go, from my very first time, I have to make a bunch of money from this because there's no other option and money isn't coming in from other places. So I love to launch when there's already money flowing in from other areas because then there isn't that pressure on the launch. Okay. So in response to your actual question, I would ask, how were you during the launch? With, were you freaking out the entire time because people weren't buying or you only had three buyers? One, 
important uh, mindset shift or energy shift you want to make is really, really appreciating and loving up on and filling yourself up on the success that you do have. So those three people, like feeling this deep sense of contentment during the launch and after the launch, of course, but during the launch, as people come in and be like, fuck yeah, another buyer, like this is amazing. Because what most of us default to is I got my first buyer. That's not enough. I got my second buyer. That's not enough. I'm so far away from 15. I got my third buyer. That's not enough. And like just letting it pass by instead of being like, holy fuck, I just got this buyer. This human trusted me. I'm going to change this person's life. Let me reach out to them. Let me send them love. Let me like do all of these things. Cause that's the energy that people want to glob onto because we're essentially just selling, uh, selling our energy when we're in a launch, especially if you're a, a service provider or you're a coach or you're teaching something, people are just trying to buy your energy. So you need to make, be really clean and clear about your energy during launches. So now you're, you, you've, you've gotten three people in your goal was 15. So love up on those three people and realize how successful you have been to get those three people in that they trusted you, that they chose you. And remember that this is a part of your entrepreneurial story, okay? So if you can actually tune in to your two years from now self or your five years from now self and you think about that that version of you looking back onto now, like she'd be like, oh man, I remember that three-person launch. And like, that was such an amazing launch. I learned this and this and that and those three people were the perfect people for the program. And now that I have so many people in this program, because I learned how to sell it and market it better with each launch I did, like I look back to that memory of that launch with so much love. So if you can tune into the inevitability of your success, maybe it'll take a year or two years or five years to get to the exact point you want to get to, or it could happen way sooner. But that version of yourself is going to look back on this launch and be like, man, I fucking remember that launch. I got three people in and I learned all of these things. And that was such an amazing thing. So tune into that energy instead of the the energy of like, I feel like a fucking failure (laughs) and being an asshole to yourself. Because if you're an asshole to yourself right now, when you, when you're an asshole to yourself, whenever you don't hit a goal, guess what's going to happen? You're going to stop setting bigger goals and you're going to stop going for larger goals because you're going to try and prevent yourself from being ass, like feeling like an asshole or feeling used and abused by yourself. I see this all the time of people who don't want, are afraid to launch again, or they're afraid to set goals. Guess why? Because in the past they were an asshole to themselves when they didn't hit a goal instead of being like, wow. What a journey. I did such a good job. I tried so hard or I, I, I put my all into this, or maybe I didn't put my all into this, but I did enough and I am enough. And even if zero people sign up, it doesn't mean anything about how I am and who I am and my, the inevitability of my success. If you can be that way, instead of like, you fucking suck. I can't believe you got only three people. That means you're a failure. And everyone's going to hate you and they're going to think you're an imposter and they're going to think you're a snake oil salesman or whatever your, your brain tells you in those moments. Like you need to shut that, shut that part of yourself up. (laughs) I feel like actually, this is why this was so amazing. This is why this was the exact way it was meant to be.
This is why three people are amazing. And with that, you also want to learn the, the value of the lesson. So let's say your program was $1,000 and your goal was to get 15 people in, but you got three. So your goal was in this example, $15,000 and you made $3,000. So that is a $12,000 difference. You want to right now reflect on what is the $12,000 of value I'm getting from this launch? What are the $12,000 worth of lessons I'm getting from this launch? Okay. This is so important. <laughs> so actually get out and review how I'm, I'm actually going to like the value of this launch is $15,000, whether or not 15 people join or not, because I'm going to learn the lessons of that $12,000 value of lessons in the reviewing process. So maybe you learned that you need different messaging or that you need to be on different platforms or you need a much longer pre-launch period or you need to build up your email list or you need to do a webinar next time or change a webinar or hire a coach. There's so many possibilities of what you can learn from the launch that you did, however it turned out. So actually take the time and realize like, me reviewing this launch and learning the lessons from this launch is worth $12,000 or whatever your program price was and that math. Okay. So I'm celebrating you. I love reminding my clients that when we celebrate, we integrate. So if you can truly celebrate, not only the three people are who are in, but celebrate the fact that you failed, like celebrate the parts of yourself that wanted this to be the, the end result. Because when we're actually able to celebrate the parts of yourself who wanted to experience quote unquote failure, they wanted to feel disappointed. They wanted to have all those feelings and you can actually fully feel them. Like this is, this is the work of shadow work or existential kink or whatever you want to call it. That's when you can actually integrate it. So celebrating what, what you actually did, celebrating the the you feeling the, the feelings that we don't typically like in our society, like failure and disappointment and the feelings of rejection or whatever it is for you. Okay. So I know those were like, that was a, a pretty long list of things to do and feel free to DM me a follow-up because I, I'm, I'm just, I got this really short little question and that was what came to mind with it. Okay. So our third question, we're talking about one of my favorite topics, which is human design and business. And I had a super interesting conversation with someone on Instagram recently who commented to ask, how do you use human design and business? And what has understanding your human design open up, opened up for you as a business owner? So how I use human design in my business, and I'm like, I actually wouldn't call myself a student of human design. I got into it in 2013, learned I was a manifester and was like, oh fuck, like I'm a weirdo. I knew it. <laughs> this is why I feel all of these things and went on a little learning binge. But in just since then, there's just been like trickles of knowledge and learning through osmosis from learning human design on the internet. Anyways, so I would not call myself an expert in any ways. I go to other people to tell me more about human design, but I use it on my team and knowing how they work. And 
I'm a manifester, like I said, and I have two generators on my team. So the the two two women who work for me, one's full-time, one's like 25 hours a week. They're both generators. And I like that energy. I like who they are. I did not, I did not know that before I hired them. Like, don't be an asshole and hire people because of their human design, but that's the current team, team situation. And I have hired, I've tried hiring manifestors before, like, and I found out after the fact they were manifestors. Oh no, I think they actually put on their application that they were manifestors. They're like, yay, manifestors. And both of them decided to step away after their trial period on the team within a couple of weeks. And so like realizing that we don't need another manifestor on the team, like, or my energy was off putting to them or their energy wasn't a good fit for the team. But I found it so funny that I've hired two manifestors before and in like a year apart from each other for essentially the same position of a marketing assistant and both of, or, uh, and then one of them was a project manager and both of them were like, actually, this isn't a good fit within two weeks. So maybe I'm just meant to work with generators and manifesting generators, but I, so I use it for my team. I, I know my, I, know the charts for my team. I also use it with clients. I attract so many manifesting generators and projectors as clients. I don't know why, but I have like within my programs and private clients, most of them are either a manifesting generator or a projector, which is hilarious. And I love knowing that because the way that I can actually respond to them as a coach is so different if you're a projector versus a manifesting generator. And the problems are not the obstacles that come up for both on both sides or the common blocks that come up on, on both sides is so different. And being able to know that about them is really powerful. So I use them with clients. If that's something you want to do, check out Crystal E. Woods on Instagram. She has a full program on how to use human design in your business called Embodied by Design. And she shares a ridiculous amount on Instagram for free. She's also been on this podcast. And I'm going to link a post in the show notes uh, that where she goes through, she has like this great carousel on Instagram of how to use human design with your clients for the different, the different energy types. So if your client's a manifester, here are some recommendations. If your client's a projector, here are some recommendations. And she does a lot of stuff like that. So definitely, if that's something of interest to you, check her out. And then the second question was, what has understanding your human design to open up for you as a business owner? So I'm a 5-1 emotional manifester, and I only have two defined centers. That means that all of the other centers on my chart are open. And how I feel about this in my experiment is that all of these open centers within me make me really, really tuned into other people's energy when I am around them. So I am very intense about cutting cords after, after sessions and taking a lot of time away from people and being alone in nature and just making sure I have time to actually empty out those energy centers. I mean, this is where exercise is really good and breath work is really good to actually move energy out of my body for that reason. And I mean, as a manifester, urges are real. So actually following those urges and taking time off and not feeling that I need to be on all the time, but instead to rest as much as I need to, so that I have the energy for the next urge. And another thing I learned is I'm not supposed to do it alone. When you start learning about the different types in human design, you realize like, oh, we're all supposed to be working together. <laughs> 
wow, we really need to be working together. I mean, maybe not the manifesting generators. You guys can like initiate and complete all by your by yourself and your amazing rock stars. But for a lot of us, we we need help with initiation. That's what manifestors are for. And like we need help with guidance. That's what projectors are for. And I'm not trying to box anyone up. Again, I'm not a human design expert, but it really made me realize how amazing it is to work on teams and to get support from others because we're, we're, the world is built to work together versus all us expecting everything from ourselves. Also for me as a manifester, it's really important that I work with coaches who don't tell me what to do, where there are some coaches who like they want to teach strategy and they want to, yeah, just tell you what to do and tell you what's right or wrong. And that doesn't work for my type. I'm not supposed to be told what to do. And it can be a huge turnoff of energy. And like, I've had to talk to coaches about this or people who are mentors about this, how that doesn't actually work for me. I, I need to, I need to in, instead be coached in the correct way, which is them asking me questions and being able to unearth it within myself versus someone telling me what to do. Another thing I learned for myself is because I have a defined throat center, like all manifestors and manifesting generators, and I mean, I, other types too, but I learned that it is really important for me to use my voice and for potential clients and my audience and for people to actually hear my voice, like I have, that's a superpower of mine. So knowing that has been really transformative and learning different ways for people. I mean, this podcast right here, making videos, doing live streams, all of those are really powerful in uh, employing my human design for the benefit of my business. And as a manifester, one thing, I another thing I learned was that, and I, I know this is good for manifesting generators as well, is you hear that your strategy is to inform and that's not what I've learned is it's not just about you make a decision and then you tell people about it. For me, that's actually too late. How, and I don't know if this is an emotional authority thing, but if I can inform the important people in my life about a decision that I'm planning on making or that I'm thinking about made, making, that's like my sweet spot for informing. So instead of being like, I hired a coach, yay, it would be like, hey, hubby, I'm thinking about investing into a new member, uh, new mentor, and that's just what's on my mind. And I'm not asking for permission. I don't need to talk it out. I'm just like letting you know that that's something that's going on in my inner world. <laughs> So if I can actually inform before I've made a decision, that that has been so much easier for me than informing after making a decision. And I know other manifestors, like it's hilarious that our, our, as manifestors, with our strategy being to inform, how hard it is to inform because we're afraid of people telling us not what, uh, to not do it or to push back. It's just, it's been such an easier process to inform as soon as I start thinking about it. Like that, that makes it so much easier. So I hope that serves anyone else who's hearing that. And I hope that makes sense because I'm kind of rambly right now. Another thing is I love following other people with similar designs, human designs. So if you're a projector, seeing how other projectors are doing it. If you're a generator, seeing how other generators are doing it. So as a manifester, like I know, uh, I know a few different 
online entrepreneurs who are manifestors. And one of them that I love following is Gala Darling. Like our values are very different. We're very different looking and acting people. However, I know that she is also an emotional manifester and we have the exact same channel. We have the exact same defined centers because I heard, I saw her human design chart once. And I mean, that fucking blew my mind. We have like very similar human design charts in the, in the, those larger aspects. And so I, I pay attention. I pay attention to what she's doing and how she's holding her energy. I pay attention to what lessons she's had because I know that they're relevant to me. So if you're a projector, like look for other people who are projectors and see how they're running their business. Like assuming that they're being honest and upfront <laughs> and assuming that they're at the level of success and they, they have the type of business you actually want. Like pay attention to people with similar designs. Okay. So that's my, that's my rambling on human design. So now I want to know from you, how do you use these different strategies and modalities that I've covered today in your business? So do you love reels and do them all the time? Have you gotten clients or sold programs due to reels? I would love to know that. <laughs> and do you use human design while you're planning out your business? Or maybe you failed a launch and gained major insights from it. Whatever it is, I hope you'll join in the conversation with me over on Instagram. Follow at the Dirty Alchemy. Comment back and slide into my DMs if you have something cool to share. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you want your question answered in the next very special episode, send them over on Instagram and have a great week, friends.